0: This is 105.9 The Region and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content unfiltered. This is Discovery.
1: You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast brought to you by 105.9 The Region, exclusively part of our Discoveries block. I'm Shaliza Bakkis. I'm Ba. Hey, everybody. How's you guys doing? Is that English? It's close enough. Close enough.
2: (laughs) How's everybody doing? There we go. go. There we go. We
1: got a laugh out of that.
2: Yes. speaking of laughs. Yes.
1: Speaking of laughs, they do say that laughter is the best medicine. Absolutely. You don't got to pay for it. It's free. What more more do you you need? What more do you need? (laughs) And I feel like we definitely all need some medication after the last year and a half that we've had.
2: Yes, it's been such a serious, I mean, of course it has to be, we are in a pandemic, but you know, we got to find time to lighten things up a little, you know, just look at the brighter things in life and Mm -hmm. then laugh at yourself a little bit. So uh, we're going to be talking about ways to, you know, calm your nerves, unwind a little bit, look at the funnier side of life with uh, multi-award winning entrepreneur, Kathy Nesbitt. We're going to be talking about laughter yoga. So if you don't know what that is, uh, stick around, stay tuned, and we're going to give you all the information about that. So we're going to now bring in Kathy. Kathy, how
1: are you doing today?
3: I am doing great. I'm excited to be here. We <laughs> love it. Yeah, thanks for
1: joining us. You. I like to laugh. I love yoga. So I am definitely excited to talk about how the two things can go together.
3: For those who <laughs> may not
1: know, what is laughter yoga?
3: So laughter yoga is not about fancy pants or poses. <laughs> it's intentional laughter exercises. You know, when people hear yoga, it kind of discounts half the population that don't like yoga. <laughs> or can't <laughs> stretch like, no, or yoga, can't move. Like that yeah. <laughs> <it's too> <laughs> yeah. No downward dog. <laughs> right? So, so it, was, it was actually started in 1995 by a medical doctor, Dr. Madan Kataria. He's in India, and he was writing an article about laughter, and as he was doing, doing research, he was like, wow, there's all this research about how laughter is the best medicine, and we've all heard that. And so here's an acronym. You know, I say, have you had your daily dose? Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Oh, nice. It's cool, right? Yeah. Versus cortisol when we're stressed, like during a pandemic or any time. Um, yeah, and we're not laughing at the situation. We're not laughing because of the stressful whatever it is that we're dealing with at the moment. We're laughing because of it. When we're stressed, we're not breathing properly. We're, we're just like trying to get into, you know, we're just trying to get out of the stressful situation. Like it's scientifically proven, which is really great, and it's super-duper fun. Um, and the science part, for, for those that need it, you know, the brain requires 25% more oxygen than the rest of the body as an operating principle, right? So when we're stressed, we're flapping OK, here's an example. Have you ever lost your keys, phone, glasses, and you're, you're like, "Ah, I gotta go." And you're flapping around, or you're late in traffic? Yes, all the. <laughs> you're time. Like, I gotta get there <laughs> <laughs> Right? So as long as you're flapping around, you're, you're not breathing, you're like, "Ah, I gotta go," and you're just like stressed. So what you need to do is stop you know, stop, take a deep breath, laugh it off, apologize to everybody. And your brain and, you know, your keys, phone glasses will appear.
2: Wouldn't that be like an instant sort of remedy to road rage? Wouldn't oh, my
3: gosh. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> this is what. OK, this is what we need on the 401. Yes. <laughs> there it is. You can just like, right? love that person cut me
2: off. I'm not going <laughs> to run after you. I'm just going to laugh and say, have a good day. <laughs>
3: Right. Yeah. Any chore that you don't want to do, anything you don't like doing, if you add laughter, laughter goes with everything. So why not add it to chores that you dislike?
2: Awesome. This is awesome, Kathy. Now you were talking about how this uh, this sort of came about back in nineteen ninety five. How did you stumble upon this? How did it connect with your personal
3: life? So laughter. I actually have another um, mission. This is my mission, current mission, because we have a mental health tsunami. I'll come back to laughter, um, but. But I started, I, I actually have a worm composting business. Um, I'm Cassie of Cassie's Collie Composters as well as Cassie's Laughter Club. And, you know, it's, it, I started that business in 2002. It's it's selling worms by the pound to put them in house so you can have indoor composting with worms to, to convert your food scraps and paper into soil. But that's another business. And I was kind of 10 years in. I have tons of energy. You might hear my energy. I have tons.
2: Oh, yep. We all for it. We love it. <laughs>
3: And I was like, you know, one more person said to me, ooh, like, you know, like, I think it was about 2012, ooh, um, worms in the house. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to put worms everywhere? My mission is to put worms in every living space so we don't need the green bin. I want to stamp out the green bin. <laughs> and um, anyway, so I, I got this, was, I was like, I should just get a job. Yeah, who would have me? Okay, hmm, all right, stay in it. <laughs> and then introduced to laughter yoga. I don't. I don't even do yoga. I don't do yoga. So anyone that, that's listening that are, you know that doesn't like yoga, stay tuned. And and I was at a business meeting, and the the speaker was a laughter yoga teacher, and she did a five minute demo, and I was like, cool. What's la? Wow, laughter yoga. What's that? Mm-hmm. And then I was at at another business uh, networking event. Hundreds of people before COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very first person that I met was a laughter yoga teacher. And I was like, what? Laughter yoga is mainstream. And she said, no, it isn't. And anyway, wow, long story short, I was like, I love laughter yoga. I started going to her club. It was in North York. And every month there was less and less people because they didn't know. And I was, and she had to close the club. Like, you can't pay for space if nobody comes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how sad. Like, there's tens of thousands of people here. Like, ten people don't want to laugh. They don't know how cool this is. <laughs> It's a gold mine, like i mean it's it's a gem like it's laughter's the best medicine um it oxygenates our body, it connects us, we feel great, we jump around, and we're ready to take on the day like we're not stressed, we're not depressed, we're not anxious, we're not you know all those negative things we're high energy, we're ready to solve the world's problems because our brain is fully oxygenated it's the answering machine
1: it's <laughs> that's so much like information just
2: thrown at us and like.
3: But, you Laughters. know, it's all. I
2: think it's all information that's literally just right in front of us. Yeah. And I think that's what, Kathy, you're trying to tap into, right? Or you're trying to, to reiterate and let the people know that, not to say all of the other type of techniques and exercises aren't bad, but it's, there's some that's literally just in your gut. And, <laughs> you just, yeah. And <laughs> it's, just, it's, and
1: it's just, done. <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah. You know, you don't really think of it that way. But, I mean, hey, when you're laughing, you're not stressed. Exactly. That's the number one. When you're
3: laughing, you're not thinking about yesterday, your problem. You're not thinking about that stupid thing you said. Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? You're just like laughing. You're not thinking about tomorrow. It is very, very simple, and that is my that's my goal. That is my goal to help people understand that it's a decision. It, laughing is a cardiovascular workout, um, laughter yoga, and it's not about jokes or comedy. We're not there telling jokes. Mm-hmm. It is, right, intentional life. So there's little games. There's clapping and chanting, which you would have seen but not heard.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> tell was, people the backstory but, of that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun. And there is dancing and, you know, each laughter yoga practitioner brings different gifts, just like every, every teacher of any sort would bring their own toolbox. So I incorporate brain gym, I incorporate tapping. Um, I've been doing emotional freedom technique or tapping since 1999. I mean, I, it's a really a big part of my health plan. And I'm so happy to combine laughing and tapping. The people that are really serious and have trouble laughing or smiling because the world is serious. It's scary. But when you can crack those people and get them laughing, oh my gosh, like imagine when we're laughing, we're connected. We're not worried so much, at least for that moment.
1: I love that. I love that so much. All right, Kathy, just to backtrack a little bit, you were talking about your methods and things like that. So can you take us through some of the exercises that you would go through in a, a session? Can I can we call it a session?
3: A session, yeah. Yes, absolu- uh, absolutely. 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 <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so there, so at the start of it, it is a cardiovascular workout. So we do gentle, you know, deep dive actually gentle deep diaphragmatic breathing. Um, hold your breath, you know, encourage people to have a longer out breath than in breath, and then you get all the stale air out, and that's what laughter does, it actually forces us to to breathe properly. And then there's some clapping, like adults need to be stimulated, children, you just say laugh and they start laughing. Um, So there's clapping, you clap palm to palm so that you're activating the meridians, there's a little rhythm and a chant, and it's one, two, one, two, three, in clapping, or ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. And as soon as you say ho and ha, you're moving your diaphragm. And that kind of just gets people, when we start clapping, that helps the people that are really serious. Um, so there's 40 foundational exercises. You know, maybe you would be, say, making milkshakes. You hold up and you know your milkshake-making vessels, you mix them together, youp. Yoop, and then you drink it, ah-ha-ha-ha-ha, ha, ha, ha. fun. Or you do, like, high-five laughter, so you go around, like, in person, you would go around high-fiving. Online, it works out beautifully mm-hmm. in the Zoom room. Now we're all in the Zoom room. So you use your camera, you know, you do high-five, and you, and you do elevator. so going up, going down, ah-ha-ha, ha, while you're laughing. It's really just silly games. And then maybe, I, I usually play a song, so the song that I generally play is called Hope is Coming. Um, because we need hope at this
2: time. Just to let the listeners know for some background, so I, I tuned into uh, Kathy's laughter yoga session, but uh, my audio wasn't working, so it was just looking at everyone um, speak, and and then I saw everyone dancing, and I'm like, oh, I want to dance too, I want to know, and I'm like, let me just dance along with them. I don't yeah. really need the music in the side. get it, girl. <laughs> but um, how did you uh, come upon choosing that song, Hope is Coming? Because it's very specific. It's not you know, in the mainstream media. How did you come upon it?
3: Ha! I actually met those uh, beautiful. I've seen them perform several times. Mm-hmm. They, they they travel They were traveling around North America, and it is my anthem. I absolutely play that song every day, and have done so since 2016.
1: Yeah, everyone has a favorite song. It's not Cuckoo yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean for me it's Drake and Ariana Grande, but you know,
2: You have your thing, <laughs> Kathy has her thing, exactly. everybody has their own thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, Kathy, you mentioned a little earlier, you know, sometimes it's hard to get into the swing of things and response is kinda like, huh, kind of awkward. So how have people been responding to your program after they get the hang of it?
3: Once they come, they come back again. They generally they generally experience something. You know, it is challenging. It really is deciding, right? It's anything that we do that's for the first time, it might be awkward. I mean, not that laughing is the first time, but laughing for nothing, right? For, we're in charge of our own pharma. Like, this is serious stuff while we're laughing. <laughs> it sounds so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for people that are hesitant, I would say um, attend a club. The beautiful part about online is you can attend and have your camera off. Like, let me just check this out and you know just listen in but i believe that just being in the energy they're they're receiving the benefits of of laughing it's high vibe energy right like when we're feeling sad and we know this personally like you know it i know it and during this cuckoo time uh, like almost daily people experience those anxiety fear like anger
4: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> right uh, like everyone goes through all those things every day because it's like what the heck is going on here we don't even know and so we need to laugh so that we can connect. So come to the class, have evening classes. They are super cool, they're chill. Uh, they're getting us ready to go to bed. So they're more, you know, more slow, more quiet, um, more deep breathing, more kind of meditative.
2: Awesome, okay. So then before we get, we, we let people know about your weekly sessions, we know that you're about to have an event coming up in September. If you can give us a little bit more detail on that. So
3: the founder of Laughter Yoga, his goal is world peace. Can you imagine how beautiful, everyone laughing together? Mm -hmm. Yippee, I want to join that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did. Yippee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and the the Sharon Temple was built by the Children of Peace in the early 1800s. It's a national historic monument of Canada. I'm I'm thrilled and honored um, to be the one bringing Laughter Yoga. So I'm going to be doing the event on September 15th, uh, 7 to 8.30 at night. Um, And there's information either on my website or they can go to the Sharon Temple website and and tickets are $25 um, per person or $40 for a couple. It's a fundraiser for the temple.
1: Yes. So if people want to find you and find out more about Laughter Yoga, where can they find you and where can we sign up for classes?
3: Beautiful. Yes. That's all on my laughter page. It's kathysclub.com. Kathy with a C and an (laughs) S. And yeah, all of the information for the Sharon Temple event, my weekly laughter, everything is there. Some weekly videos I do. Just laugh everybody. It's a really beautiful things.
1: Yes. Just laugh. That's it. We've been smiling throughout this entire episode. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Kathy. Once again, this is Kathy Nesbitt, multi-award winning entrepreneur and of course
2: uh, she is running these laughter yoga sessions happening, so make sure that you're able to get in on one of these classes. I'm telling you, have your audio on. That's my suggestion for you. It'll be much more of an experience, (laughs) Um, but you know what? Just off the energy that they give off during these classes, you will be smiling and laughing throughout it, audio or not, and it's it's definitely a session that you want to try out. Uh, Kathy, you can already feel the love coming out when she's teaching so i do encourage you all to go and and try out a session uh, whenever she's having the weekly sessions and of course uh, just go over to her website whenever you want to uh, get more information on
1: that kathy nesbitt thank you so much for joining us
3: thank you thank you i appreciate it so much
1: thank you so much and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of millennial balance exclusively here on 105.9 the region
0: do you have an idea or a podcast to share Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 1059 The Region. Hey there and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments hosted by yours truly Phil McCabe and brought to you by 105.9 The Region and just a heads up before we get into the interview Discovery is now on all sorts of platforms you can download the podcast at Apple Spotify Google Play we've got 40 different platforms that this podcast is now available Discovery the radio show for podcasters this podcast in my view is designed to share as many stories of as many people as humanly possible and really delve into what mental health means and how it impacts so many different people and so many. Many different ways. As I continue to say in every episode, the goal is to reach all walks of life and talk about individuals and their personal experiences, but also touching on common threads when talking about mental health. I'm incredibly thankful today to be joined by my next guest, Senator Denise Batters, a woman who is not only a member of the Canadian Senate, but also a mental health advocate. Senator Batters, thank you so much for joining me today.
4: Thank you very much, Phil. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and to your listeners out there about this important topic. Okay, so right out
0: of the gate, I did a quick Google search, and I found a blurb about yourself that was on the Senate of Canada website back from 2016. It indicated that you believe one of the biggest public policy issues facing Canadians is mental health. So my question right out of the gate is, do you still think that's the case?
4: Absolutely. It definitely is. And I'm glad that uh, it seems like over the last number of years, many Canadians are being much more open that they also agree with that because so many millions of Canadians are struggling with this issue and uh, where I come at this particular issue from that perspective, I may not have thought that, you know, 10 years before 2016, but I certainly did in 2016 um, and that's largely because um, here's my background. My husband was a former member of parliament, Dave Batters. He struggled with anxiety and depression and uh, dependency on prescription medication. He then became quite ill and he courageously decided to make his struggle public um, when he announced that he was not able to run again for re-election because he wanted to raise awareness about mental health issues and help people. And tragically, Dave died by suicide in 2009, two weeks before his 40th birthday. So in the wake of that grief and sadness, I committed that I would carry on this cause in Dave's memory and try to help other families who were struggling with these same issues.
0: Just piggybacking off of that, obviously you lost your husband in 2009. Do you find that that was really a catalyst for your advocacy work and you kind of that was what set you off on this path to be an advocate and be? this vocal uh, throughout the rest of your life
4: it's now been 12 years since Dave passed away and you know in that time I've seen a lot of improvements in the awareness of and the attitudes towards mental illness but there's still so much more to do and I guess following Dave's death and really he was only you know quite ill for the last year and a half of his life so it just goes to show you how quickly things can tumble down very quickly Um, and that's quite scary because you know prior to that we had quite a happy life and uh You know, so following Dave's suicide, um, in addition to my own experience with Dave, but I got to know other family survivors of suicide and got to see the experience of others I met who were, it's called, left behind by suicide. So I learned a fair bit about suicide prevention during that. And about a year after Dave passed away, we started this project. um, Together with a few of Dave's closest friends, I organized several Dave Batters Memorial Golf Tournaments. And we raised more than $200,000 to increase awareness around issues of mental illness and suicide. And what we did with that money was we put it towards the production and broadcast of a television commercial, encouraging those suffering with mental illness to reach out and seek help. And it was particularly targeted at middle-aged men who are a group which is probably most likely to suffer in silence with mental health issues, and actually the group that is most likely to die by suicide. So at the time I chose a commercial as the means to communicate directly with that group because I knew from Dave's experience that sometimes dealing with depression means you only have enough energy to lie on the couch and flip through TV channels. And maybe that's where you'll see this ad about a regular guy who looks like you and feels like you do, and to me it's a way to reach out, a way to meet you right where you are. So if any of your listeners are interested in seeing this commercial, it's just a 30-second TV commercial, which you can still find uh, if you search Dave Batters on YouTube.
0: Have you seen a notable difference in mental health advocacy 12 years ago compared to now? And piggybacking off of that, where do you think we go from here?
4: I think every Canadian's life is affected, and that's become much more well-known by issues of mental health in some way, whether it's a family member or a caregiver or a friend of someone. You know, communication and connection to other people is at the heart of, I think, healing mental illness. Social media has kind of been a double-edged sword. It's revolutionized our awareness of mental health issues, I think. You know, while it can connect us and provide people in crisis with much-needed support, it can also contribute to bullying and isolation and struggles with mental health social media support alone is not good enough I encourage people to remember that they need to act by reaching out to the people around us directly as well and you know there there have been there's so much more awareness about mental illness and um, mental health struggles particularly this year you know the pandemic I think has really brought issues of mental illness and addiction to the forefront of public discussion. But unfortunately, the pandemic has also amplified major gaps that continue to exist in mental health care and addiction fields, and as well as contributing, of course, to people's isolation and inability to see their friends and family members um, in normal ways. So all levels of government have to really work to address to um, close those mental health gaps and help their citizens. So, you know, there's much more to do, but I'm encouraged to see things like, for example, the 988 line. It's something that's come into the news in the last couple of years. And I first heard about it almost two years ago, um, because in time of mental health crisis, connecting with another person can absolutely save a life. And Um, I heard about this initiative uh, almost two years ago proposed by an Ontario mental health advocate, Kathleen Finley, to institute a three-digit national suicide prevention helpline across Canada, and so I contacted her and worked with her to help bring greater national attention to this excellent idea, And then my conservative colleague, MP Todd Doherty, he brought that initiative forward as a private member's motion, which passed the House of Commons with unanimous support. So now we need to make that great idea become reality, because there is a national suicide prevention hotline across Canada right now, but it's 10 digits. And so if you have to, you know, remember 10 digits when you're in a time of crisis as compared to remembering 988, which is very easy to remember, that can make all the difference of reaching out and getting help at that critical time. And so those are the kinds of things that we need to do. We need to be innovative. We need to recognize how much the last year and a half that's been so difficult has really dramatically escalated the help that people need on both mental health and addictions fronts and also that those two things are tied so closely together I think that that's really critical to realize as well because we need to reduce stigma certainly on also on helping um, seeking help for addictions because often the issues of mental health and addiction go hand-in-hand as people who have mental health issues can often self-medicate with substances like alcohol or drugs or even certain behaviors and that stigma creates a sense of shame around admitting the full scope of the problem and trying to reach out for help
0: there's a lot to unpack there but one aspect of it that i'd like to jump back to is this 988 suicide hotline you said it's, <laughs> it's right now 10 digits and you know using my own experiences I, I i've never had suicidal thoughts or tendencies but i i have had breakdowns where the slightest little thing has set me over the edge to to exploding for lack of a better word so i can imagine under the circumstances having to try and remember a 10-digit number as opposed to just boop 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 and you're you're off and you're talking to someone is i tend to think that's a bit troubling that something like a suicide hotline is not the most accessible thing
4: yeah, and it's such an easy, common-sense solution that this um, Kathleen Finley proposed. The, U- the U.S. is actually um, on their way to implementing something very similar right now. It's like, let's just get on it. And this is such an easy, um, common-sense solution because, you know, it's, dif- it's difficult enough to remember a 10-digit number if uh, everything is going well in your life, let alone when you're in absolute crisis mode.
0: Do you think that your position in public office makes it harder to advocate, like you have more hoops to jump through, you have to be more tactful in what you're saying? Or do you think as a senator, you've got the perfect platform to be yelling from a metaphorical rooftop?
4: I really do think I have an excellent national platform. um, And that's what I've tried to use for the last... I've been in the Senate now for eight years and I really have tried to use that in many different ways through the type of people that you even get to interact with. You know, I've had the good fortune to meet, uh, you know, people and get to know them um, like Michael Landsberg and Clara Hughes and former Governor General David Johnston, all of whom are excellent mental health advocates. I bring a little bit different perspective to the game too because while I think mental health has really um, increased in awareness, suicide is direct discussion of suicide is still quite a taboo. And I've tried to bring that into the conversation too, that we can't ignore that. That is the unfortunate worst case scenario of mental illness is suicide. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, if you're worried about someone, don't be afraid to ask them directly if they're considering harming themselves or ending their own life, because it might seem awkward, but you're likely not asking them anything they haven't thought about before, and it just might save their life. So please reach out and support those family members and friends as well left behind after a suicide and don't be afraid to talk about their loved one with them so from my unique perspective and unfortunately it's not that unique because um, you know a significant number of Canadians die every year from suicide and it hasn't really changed that much over the last number of years so there's still considerable work to do being in the Senate I'm able to bring that perspective of my mental health advocacy to many different issues, and one of the issues that um, I dealt with in a great deal in the last year in Parliament, um, I devoted a lot of my time to challenging the federal government's extension of assisted suicide to people suffering with mental illness. You know, my perspective on that as a family survivor of suicide, and I'm an experienced lawyer and a long-time mental health advocate, I remain shocked at the prospect of the state delivering into the hands of a suicidal person the guaranteed means to end one's life. So that's one of the issues that I've, you know, been involved, quite involved with lately and to just bring my particular background and, you know, the story of my husband and to know how we can try to help people
0: heading into this conversation I was I was thankful to learn how open you were about discussing what happened with your family because you know a lot of people believe that politicians are nothing more than lip service that they they don't offer anything other than padding their own pockets and stuff so from your perspective it's so much nicer that you are in that position and you have these experiences and you're open about them because it it humanizes you for lack of a better word and it, it makes you certainly more relatable to anyone else that might be suffering through through similar situations.
4: Well that's what I'm trying to do because I'm fortunate to have, I am very honoured to have this position in the Senate in, in a way I'm trying to use that seat in the Senate that I have to give a voice to this issue that so many people don't have the voice to speak about, you know, throughout that assisted suicide debate, um, you know, I was able to speak about um, these types of things that I had known about from both my experience with Dave, but also experiences of many other people that I've met in similar situations through, you know, suicide survivor support groups or things like that or just, you know, friends. It's amazing how when you go through something like this, how afterwards. People you know, people you don't know, and all of a sudden tell you um, very personal details about their own lives and, wow, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, that are struggling with these kinds of issues, whether it's mental illness or addiction or both, and uh, we need to just, yeah, make that connection and reach out, especially directly to people, and that's, I guess, my main message is it's so important to reach out, whether you are someone yourself who's struggling with mental illness or whether Whether you see someone you care about suffering, and even the simple are you okay, or letting a family member or friend know that you're thinking about them and available to them if they want to talk can make all the difference. Because I think it's so important to let people know you are not alone. There is help. Please reach out.
0: Thank you for sharing your story and I genuinely believe that uh, Dave's legacy continues to thrive with the advocacy work that you're
1: doing. It
4: means a lot and that's really why I try to do it because number one, Dave was too good of a guy to kind of just leave his story like that. Telling the story has already helped people and I want to um, ensure that it helps more people. So I really appreciate you having this podcast.
0: That'll do it for Mental Health Moments, one of the wonderful podcasts right here on Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. And keep in mind, if you want to listen to us on the go you can download any of our podcasts on multiple platforms you can get it on apple you can get it on spotify you can get it on google you can get it really wherever you want until next time i'll close with you are loved
2: if you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns contact a local agency near you this has been mental health moments brought to you by 105.9 the region
0: discovery the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.